have your Bibles or electronic device with your Bible, let's hold it up. <clears throat> I'm a child of God. Having my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and let them know how much you love them today. I didn't say get sappy. Just just let them know how much you love them. Yes, sir? Thank you. I don't have a... You're my neighbor. Can I be your neighbor? (laughs) Won't you be my neighbor? Going to be in Judges chapter 3, verse 31. Start a new series this, to finish up uh, a series this month. I said start a new series. We started last week. Stories that they don't tell you in Sunday school. Last week we talked about Rahab. Today we're going to talk about a really interesting gentleman named Shamgar. How have you heard of Shamgar? One of those Bible heroes that jumps out at you? Sham, Sham, Wow. That's his name. Sham Wow. <laughs> the Bible's filled with obscure people that God used to do great things. Um, some that come to my mind as I was putting this together. Uh, Adino in 2 Samuel 23 is one of David's mighty men. Killed 800 men at one time with a spear. Eliezer, 2 Samuel 23, is another of David's mighty men. Stood boldly in the day of battle, fought so long, and killed so many Philistines that his hand would not open and allow him to release his sword. He was so, he'd held it so long and so hard that he couldn't even open his hand. <clears throat> then there's Shammah in 2 Samuel 23, another of his warriors. Shammah stood alone in a field of peas and fought the Philistines and God gave him a great victory. I don't know if he used the peas to kill them or, or what. That would have been interesting to see him take the pods of the peas and like this and it just, you know, kill the Philistines. Philistines weren't very, you know, they weren't very tough, I guess. Then there's the widow of Zarephath in First Kings 17. She fed the prophet Elijah, sheltered him during a famine. Then there's the Israelite maid who told Naaman about the man of God in First Kings 5. She told her master about the God of Israel and that and that led to his cleansing from leprosy into spiritual conversion. Then there's a little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. He's pretty obscure, you know, in the story. In John 6, uh, he possessed the, the food that was then divided 5,000 times or more among the people there. Then there's the woman who anointed the Lord and washed his feet with her hair. In Luke 7, she performed a labor of sacrificial love. The Lord Jesus, remember the apostles got really upset that she was using all that expensive oil on his feet. Joseph of Arimathea. What do we know about Joseph of Arimathea in John 19? It was at great personal risk and cost, but he buried the body of Jesus. Can you imagine? Nobody wanted to touch him. Nobody wanted to be around him. Nobody wanted to claim they were his or friends of his. But Joseph stepped up 
and performed one of the best things that could have ever happened. Because you see, had Jesus not been buried, He would have never risen again. Thought about that? So Joseph took care of that for us. The list can go on and on. There's so many examples of people who did great things but were really obscure within the Scripture itself. We all know Peter. We all know John, Mark. We all know um, Paul, Isaiah, Jeremiah. But these obscure people, really, we can learn so much from. Not much is known about our character today, Shamgar. He's only mentioned in two verses of Scripture. Here's the first one. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines. He's Philistine. How many were these Philistines? Everybody's killing them. You know what I mean? These 600 Philistines with an ox goad. I hope I'm saying that right. He too saved Israel. And then the next verse that he's mentioned in is James 5, 6. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. I want us to see three things from these two verses in the life of Shamgar that we can uh, apply to our lives. First of all, Shamgar, I want to see Shamgar the worker. The name Shamgar means either sword or cup-bearer. So I'm going to go with sword. Either name fits him because of the details of his life. He was like a sword in the hand of God. I mean, God used him to destroy the enemies of Israel. He was like a cup-bearer who brought the cup of God's wrath to God as God judged the Philistines. You'd think the Philistines would catch on but they never did. He's called the son of Anath. Anath was the Canaanite goddess of war. Uh, might be a nickname for Shamgar. It's possible that he was called the warrior. It's a name that could uh, only mean that he was from... Uh, I mean, it could also mean that he was from the town of Beth Anan, which a lot of the cities were started with Beth something, you see which was located in northeast Israel on land belongs to the tribe of Naphtali. Could mean that his father's name was Anath. One thing we know for sure about Shamgar was that he was a farmer, for he carried and fought with an ox goad. Am I saying that right? Ox goad? I mean, that's the way it was spelled. So an an ox goad is not a weapon, however, because I was curious, what is this thing? Oxgoat is not a weapon. It's an agricultural tool. It was on a pole for about 8 to 10 feet in length, about 2 inches in diameter. Uh, one end was tipped by a long iron point. This end was used to encourage the oxen that he was driving to move on. He would reach back and poke them on the bottom, sometimes like we have to do with our kids, poke them on the bottom. Wouldn't it be great to have a hook, though? Really get them? The funniest thing we had going on in our house last night is Beckham tends to scream. He likes to scream. And there's nothing worse than little children that scream. Because it just 
it hurts your ears, especially the older you get. Some people say, well, you're going deaf anyway. I'm deaf. I'm not that deaf yet. So I turned to him. I said, stop screaming. And then Jeff was standing there, and I, I, I handed him a wooden spoon. I said, now, spank him. He'll stop that stuff. He looked at me, and I said, well, I'll spank him. I'll chase him down. Oh, they laughed about that, that I was going to chase him down. I said, I may not, I may not catch him till the second corner, but I'll catch that little sucker. Because what I'll do is I'll sit at the table and wait because he will come to eat again. That one will. <laughs> well, anyway, we're having fun. Then the other end, uh, the other end of this tool was shaped like space. Also, the, he could reach down while they were pulling the wagon and he could prod them. So it's kind of like a, a sharp prod. But it was a metal blade used to clean wet clay roots and other uh, impediments off of plow points. So it had a hook on one and a flat uh, piece on the other end. Uh, Another thing that we know about Shamgar has to do with the time in which he lived. It was a very difficult time for the people of Israel. Judges chapters 4 and 5 talk about the times in which they lived. The nation of Israel was being oppressed by Jabin, the king of Canaan. Jabin was a powerful enemy, possessed 900 iron chariots, according to Judges 4-3. His army seemed totally unbeatable, as was the custom in those days. He probably would not allow the Israelites to arm themselves, if you read 1 Samuel 13 and Judges 5. It was a time when the people of Israel were filled were filled with great fear. In Judges 5, 6, and 7. They were afraid to travel the highways because of Jabin's men. They were afraid to live in their homes because of those who invaded and attacked them. It seemed that when Israel was oppressed by Canaan, they were all under attack from the Philistines. One of the great lessons we can take away from Shamgar is that God tends to use those who are already busy. Have you noticed that? God will use those more than likely who are already busy. Why isn't, why doesn't he use people who aren't busy? They're not doing anything. So why don't, why didn't God tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I need your help down there? But he comes and finds somebody who's got 29 plates spinning and says, I need you to spin one more plate. That's amazing to me how God does that. But why does he do that? Because busy people know how to get the job done. Busy people know how to get it done. When God called Shamgar, He called a man who was already busy. Shamgar was a man who was actively working to feed and care for his family. And when the enemy came, God used Shamgar as His chosen instrument to stop the Philistines in their tracks. God does not use lazy people. In any great fashion. That's the truth. If you're a lazy person, trust me, God's not going to call you. Why would He? You won't have time for Him. (laughs) You won't have time to get up and go do something for Him. How many of you passed out cards for me last week? Took cards, passed them out. Fantastic. 
Uh, there's some more on the back. Uh, in fact, Corey, if you'll grab those, I've got them divided in fives. If you want some cards to pass out this week, raise your hand, Corey, bring them around to you while I keep going. When, when God looks at the church and places His hands on the folks to use them, He always chooses those who are actively engaged in His work already. He wants you to already be active so that you'll be more active and do more for God. Ephesians chapter 2, James chapter 2 and verse 18 talks about that. We need to remember that He saved us to serve Him. He saved us to serve Him. And as we are faithful to work in these small tasks that He gives us, He will open up larger and more important avenues of service. If you can't trust you to do small things, He will never trust you to do great things. Amen? Preachers who talk about being in a small church, and, and I've done that, I've found myself doing that, like I'm pining, opining for something bigger. What I've come to discover is, is that God has me here for whatever reason He's got me here. I've got to use every talent I have, every gift that I possibly could think I have, and still make mistakes. Y'all pointed out to me every week. Every week I get pointed out some mistake that I've made. Usually it's in the area of my uh, com- composition of newsletters or bulletins. You'll let me know every week if there's a typo. And usually there's more than one. There's at least 1,500,000, I think, that are in these things. Uh, once I get off the phone after being beat up by my wife with all the typos that are in the, in the e-newsletter... I said, honey, I'm trying to be like the Apostle Paul, being all things to all people, so I might win some. I said, I want you to feel like you have input into the ministry. She said, oh, I'll give you some input, all right. She's home ill today. <laughs> That's why I can just speak my heart. But it won't do much good, because you don't tell her what I... You actually, you lie to her, because you never tell her what I actually say. As it comes out later, but just never, it's still, it's still fun. But you know, that's part of being a family, isn't it? We kind of pick on each other and love on each other, and I love that part. The fact that you even care enough to say something to me, hallelujah, amen. Love it. The day in which we live is a hard day to be a servant of the Lord. It seems that government and society are growing in their hatred of the Lord and His work. Never in my lifetime, in my 62 years of living, have I ever seen Christianity being ridiculed and mocked on a national level like I do today. I mean, they've got a, they've got a TV sitcom about being religious. Trust me, they're not doing us any justice. I haven't watched it, don't plan to watch it. If it's something that was produced in New York or Los Angeles, I have no desire to watch it anyway. Well, those are paragons of faith and morality, aren't they? In those two places. Can anything good come out of Washington, D.C.? I don't think so. The only thing that runs out of there on any regular basis is the sewer. So, And the mouths of the 
Well, I should move on. Okay. These are the days. These are the days the Lord has chosen for us to live and to work, however. You and I are here now for a reason. You and I are here now so that we can stand the test before us. When you're made fun of at church, or you're made fun of out in the world, or you're made fun at work because you're a Christian, do you take a stand for Christ, or do you just say, yeah? I've discovered that when you stand up for Christ, and you stand up and you boldly proclaim the Word of the Lord with love attached to it, because that's what God wants us to do, I find out that those others back down real fast. Because they really don't have an argument. They don't have any reason to feel the way they do. They just are angry. And so you're a cheap way to get, to take it out on. Serve the Lord in your home. Serve the Lord in Sunday school. In youth group. Outreach ministries. Any way you can. The Lord's watching. He takes note of your faithful service. He'll bless you and use you right here, right now. And trust me, your reward will be great in heaven. So we see Shamgar the worker. Secondly, I want you to see Shamgar the warrior. The Israelites were being oppressed by the Canaanites under King Jabin, his powerful army. Jabin had disarmed the Israelites and made them weak militarily. They were not in a position to defend themselves at all. Proved, uh, or excuse me, say... It provided an opportunity for the Philistines. This warlike people who lived near the Mediterranean Sea, they were going to take now, they could take advantage of the situation. They would invade Israel and capture slaves, steal crops, destroy villages. And when the Philistines came, most of the people in Israel would flee in terror. They wanted to avoid death or capture, but Shamgar refused to run. When the Philistines came, he stood his ground and he fought. He did not have any weapons of war, but he had that ox goat. And with that tool, it could also be used as a weapon. It would have replaced a spear on one end. It would have served as an axe on the other end. The long pole would have been used to block swords that were thrown at him or swung at him. Shamgar took what he had and he used it to secure victory for the people of Israel and for his family. And over the course of his life, he killed 600 of the Philistine raiders using only that ox goad to kill 600 men. He must have been a pretty physically fit person. But then most farmers are, aren't they? Shamgar was a man empowered by God for the task at hand. There can be no doubt that the Spirit of God enabled Shamgar to stand and fight like he did. Shamgar stood his ground, fought while others ran away, because Shamgar knew that that some things are worth fighting for. Can I just remind you that while we are to be workers, we must also be warriors. When God saved us. He enlisted us in His army and set us about the business of spiritual warfare according to Galatians 5.17. We are in a war today. We are in a war today. That war is with Satan 
And like the Canaanites, he would he would oppress us. We are at war with the world, like the Philistines. Uh, it would invade us and take away everything we value. Uh, I think the thing that's bothered me the most of late is that uh, there's a movement afoot to take all the crosses out of the uh, cemetery in Washington D.C. of the soldiers who've fallen. The atheist will all those crosses gone. So what are we going to do about it? That's what I get about an atheist. Why are they so mad about us worshiping God? Somebody they don't even believe exists. Give me five seconds after they die and let's see what their tune is. <laughs> well, one guy say the bad, the, the worst part about a funeral of an atheist is they get all dressed up and don't have any place to go. <laughs> Because we're at war. We're at war. It could be physical war. It could be mental war. It could be emotional war. But we're at war. And we've got to be ready for the battle. So what are things worth fighting for? Let me give you just three. I think the home... Is something that we should fight for. Your marriage, your spouse, your children, they're all worth fighting and dying for. There is no sacrifice too great, price too high to pay for those who God has given into your care. The church, it's worth fighting for. The world would slip in and take away the things that we value as a church. Things like the Word of God, our preaching. You can only say certain things, you can't say this stuff over here. Our worship, our doctrines, our separation are all under attack by Satan and the world. Pretty soon it's going to be that we don't have tax exempt status. You wait. It's coming. It's coming. We've got a reprieve with the current president we have. If we'd have had the one that was running against him, uh, heaven, heaven knows what we'd look like today. It would not be the America that you and I know. Churches would be completely, completely under attack. Unbelievable. Every day the world makes inroads into the church, and churches are letting them come in. That's the sad part. Churches are not standing on the Word of God. What does the Word teach? What does the Word of God say should be our first statement? And then I think a third group that's worth fighting for is the lost. They don't know God. They don't care about God. But they need somebody to stand in the gap and to maintain the old ways so they might hear about Jesus. There's a movement among the millennials that they want to get back to a church like this that just preaches the Word of God. It doesn't have all the entertainment factor up front. They just preach the Word of God. We always have been that way. We always will be that way. If this church never survives because of whatever reason, we're going to go down fighting. (laughs) We're going to go down preaching the Word of God and lifting up Jesus. But folks, we need more people. You know that. I know that. We need more people to come and to collect and connect into our church. And then from them, then they begin to be givers of tithes and offerings so that the ministry can continue to work on. But we've we've got to fight for the lost. Because they don't even know they're lost. 
And we've got to work on it and never give up. Do we have any warriors in the building this morning? Do we have any saints of God who will sign up today to fight the good fight of faith for those, for those things that are worth fighting for? We've looked at Shamgar the worker, Shamgar the warrior, and then lastly I want to say Shamgar the winner. See, the Bible says that Shamgar delivered Israel. His courage freed the people around him and allowed them to live in freedom and liberty. He made a difference in the lives of those that he fought for. Are you making a difference in somebody's life? See, I don't want you to take a hundred. I should take, take one person and begin to make a difference in their life. Just one person, you can make a difference. We're fighting for things that truly matter. It may seem at times that there are very few victories down here. But in spite of that, the fight is still worthwhile. We are still baptizing people in our baptistry. Not as many as I'd like. I'd like to bring in one, two, twelve a week. Amen? Well, to have a steady flow, if somebody has to stand up there the whole hour and just baptize them while we're preaching, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> That'd be amazing. I know, I know. You quickly go, ah, it'll never happen. Yeah, it sounds good, but it'll never happen. And it never will, not with that spirit, will it? Never will. But I believe. Do you believe? If we can pass down the pure gospel in a holy church to the next generation, we have been successful. God would say, well done. We need young leadership. We need young people, young adults who will step up and fill the gap and begin to lead the church. Us old guys are getting old. We don't like change. comes whether we want it or not. I've looked in the mirror several times thinking, mm, who is that good looking fellow in there? And then I turn around, oh, that one, okay. My brother, my brother paid me a high compliment. He called me the other day and he said, hey, that's a nice picture of you on Facebook. I said, well, thanks. He said, boy, your hair is growing back in in, in the right color. I said, had it not been the right color? He said, well, it was full of gray hair for a long time. What's your secret? I said, I can't tell you. He said, it's Oklahoma water, brother. I lived in Oklahoma. My hair never did that. I said, I don't know. You must not be right with God. It's fun to watch two preachers talk to each other. This is great. You know, when I see my children and my wife worship, I understand that every battle and every sacrifice has been worthwhile. When I see my grandchildren begin to praise the Lord, Oh, my goodness. Some of you understand that. You get to see them every week do that right here. That's awesome. You could, you cannot put a price tag on that, can you? But it's worth fighting for. What the apostles handed down to us, we should continue to hand. And what's been handed to us, what we should continue to hand to others. We should give that to young people. You know, if, you, if you're a young person, a young adult, and you go, man, I, I don't want to lead anything. I just want to float along. At some point, you got to step up and lead. You just do. Well, we need a young preacher. Okay, get one. 
get one. I'll, I'll move down the road. I'll go to the retirement center, nursing home, or corner of the jukebox. Isn't that where he said, prop me up against the jukebox? Do we have any of those anymore? Where will we find one of those? But church, I want to encourage you today. Don't give up on the battle. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't give up. Don't don't grow weary in well-doing. Though you do. We all do. But don't. Just keep. One more day. Okay, God, one more day. Here I'll go. One more day I'm going to get up. One more day I'm going to say it. One more day I'm going to live it. One more day I'm going to make an impact. Get up and do it. One more day. Let me encourage you to stay in the fight. We are too near home to quit now. Don't stop now. His coming is imminent. Don't let him, don't let him see you lay down and quit. Get up and fight. Get up and fight. Get up and live the life that God's called you to live. I want our church to grow. I would love to have more numbers here. I'd love to have every church seat filled with a, a person sitting here learning, excited to be here. But you know what? I'm grateful for you that do come. So grateful for you. You give sacrificially. You give even above that. You give of your time. And you're so doggone busy. It's hard to even find you. But man, you come. And you give. And you give. And you give. So grateful. When we see a young person go through the waters of baptism, it's because you have given. You have standed the test of time. And you didn't quit. We're fixing to open our high school room that we've been remodeling and working on. Man, I can't wait for you guys to be able to go in there and look at that thing and use it. I don't think young kids are going to get to use it much. There'll be too many young adults in there. I really believe that's true. And you know what? That's awesome. That's awesome. Whoever wants to try to take Aaron Hearn out and ping pong, start making your list. He'll be he'll be the back there in the back. But don't quit fighting. And when you feel like quitting, I want you to look up Hebrews twelve one through three. That tells us that we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. And we should never lose sight of our Savior Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the shame of the cross. What joy? Well, that joy of that day that you said, I want you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. He looked down from the cross and said, Yeah! <laughs> he knew when it was going to happen. And he knew that it was going to happen. And he knew you were coming. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His Appearing. Shamgar faced the greatest odds ever encountered by any man. He fought in the greatest battle ever waged by a man. He stood his ground. He used his ox goad and Jesus used an old rugged cross 
And they both defeated the works of the devil. Let's let his life inspire us to keep fighting, to keep battling, to never quit. Father, thank you for this area. I pray that you will help us to be firm in our faith, that we will not waver at all, and that, God, we will always be ready, always be ready to stand firm for you, to fight for you, to speak the word for you. You were so willing to die on the cross for us. The least we can do is to return the favor and be willing to die because we love you more than we love anything else. God, is there one in the room today that might step out and say, I'm ready to be on board with you, God? I'm ready for you to be the master and savior of my life. Is there one person here today that says, you know, I want this church to be my home. I want to tell everybody where I go to church. Is there one here that would do that, Lord? We just ask you to move among us. Prick us where we're needed. Stir us. Push us. Prod us. Whatever you need to do.